amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. says, I want to leave this world having created a company or a product that really helps people long after I'm gone that my kids can see and my grandkids can see. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Don't buckle up, Buttercup. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening, watching, and please go hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your show. So today, before we kick it off with our special guest, let it, let's go straight into our Patreon question of the day, which is, what is the number one thing on your bucket list that you still have not done yet? Boy, that is a good question. I feel like my bucket list has evolved over it's changing. time. That's <laughs> yeah. what I was just going through in my head right now. Like, hey, yeah. man, mine just kind of changed now. Yeah. It's funny because like it, it starts to – your bucket list when you have kids that get to a certain age start to change into, well, I'd, I'd rather waste that product <laughs> or that item on my kid. Like I'd like <laughs> to see my kid do this, right? But if I, were, if I were to try to go back and focus on things that I want to do, I mean, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time after um, I s- sold out of the first company that uh, – help start and run thinking about this and um there's all these trips and all these places you want to go but i think at the end of the day finding finding something where you can really help people and and that was one of the reasons we focused heavy on oncology um so for me it was really building a company or a product that could just help a ton of people which at the end of the day ends up your chance to really grow a company to you know epic proportions but um 
But I think that's probably the biggest item on my list is I want to leave this world having created a company or a product that really helps people long after I'm gone that my kids can see and my grandkids can see. So that's the number one item on my bucket list is to find that thing, whatever it is, if it's a drug or a device or a place. It should be a reward in America. If you, if you invent something for the country, mm -hmm. then you don't pay, your family didn't pay talk, taxes for four generations. Or yeah. Right? <laughs> if you, if you give them something that cool, you know what I'm talking about? Like incentivize. Americans love that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, incentive, not, don't give them something straight up, right? You give you incentives. Like, Hey man, we carry this thing out for a few years. This is going to be a good deal. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, like so back true. in the old days, our uh, soldiers got land. As a, I don't even get a story as about like that. a yeah. parting gift from war, is they actually got land. So this I was, didn't know that. Yeah, this was like that, early oh, you bring on back war trophies too. Early on battles. Damn. We're not allowed um, to do that now. We were the first generation that couldn't do that, but yeah. Yeah, and then they stopped that. Uh, I think World War Two they stopped that. World War One, I, I believe they did get land. So wow. Yeah, and the That's different great gift. Spanish American War that? and some of the others. Romans Even did better that, if they don't property tax you, right? After they give it to you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no problem. Well, you have to be. Oh, I'm, I'm planning on changing that now that Mojo's in Congressman. Oh. <laughs> so Marcus is going to come up with. I got a list of demands. <laughs> I'm just going to start throwing them out of him, and then all the veterans, if they're like, that's a good one, write yeah. it down. <laughs> exactly. I think my bucket list has remained the same. My The timing on it has changed. I have always wanted to like take time off with my family, not by myself, but with my family, travel the world. Like Actually, yeah. not just go and see it and then move on the next day, spend a good five days or so in each place but somewhere in asia somewhere in africa like all the continents yeah i want to just go and kind of do an immersion a short immersion with my entire family but that's a, that's a great education for the whole family right like that's something that you haven't done and you're going to learn a lot everybody's going to learn a lot from that experience that's a, that's a good one i wanted to do it for my 40th birthday but I might have to steal that out of my bucket list. It's like COVID or something. Something, something happened. Hit, right? Yeah, down. we couldn't do it. But one of these days, whether it's when I turn 50 or 60 or whatever it is, I really want to do That'll that. That'll be a mandatory thing. Right after you finish high school, you, you got to head out. Speaking of bucket list, there's very few people that tell me their honeymoon stories that I remember. <laughs> but your honeymoon. You got a good one? Oh my gosh. I Was it worse than ours? No, no, it, it was a good honeymoon. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> actually a good one. Oh, it was actually good. Yeah. I, was, I was like, wait a minute, bro. You want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe no, at no, the no. worst honeymoon? I got to hear it, man. Cooper and his wife took a train, if I'm not mistaken. Tell me if I remember this correctly, because it was you're, you're so, it like right stuck path. in my head so solid. Took a train from New Orleans mm -hmm. to Chicago. Right. And then you went west from there, right. and you ended up in Colorado, right? right? I thought, and I, it's probably because at the same time he told me this was the same time period that you and I were watching that TV series, Hell on Wheels. Great show. And so it was one of those, like, holy shit, I want to do that. That <laughs> sounds so cool. And I still, to this day, I think about that. I'm like, that We is talked about it. Yeah. Doing, taking the kids and going across all the way. I think you should do that, right? It is a, a really cool trip. An American thing. I mean, you got to have the time because yeah. it's not fast. Right. <laughs> right. But 
it's it was a really cool trip but to your european point earlier like we were broke too so it's like you got to find a way to get across country without buying a first class plane ticket and you know so it ended up being a really cool trip i'm glad we did it because you know they have sleeping cars so you, you have your own little kind of room you can sleep in but went up to chicago spent the day um, you know, she she was a big Bulls fan, so we went and saw some of that stuff. Went to a few museums. Man, who isn't? Twelve hours in Chicago. Got back on the train. Didn't have to move our luggage. Back in the same room, straight to Grand Junction, Colorado. That is so then, cool. Did you know the back end of that story? I don't. The I cabin just story. You, uh-uh. you know the story because you were up there in, uh, in Bayfield. But um, so we stayed in a cabin. We got there late at night after we drove up four by four all the way down. Little cabin at the end of the road, right on the lake. And, uh, you know, we loved it. Beautiful place. Um, years later, this is after 2008, you know, that whole mess, probably 2009-ish, where things were still kind of in trouble, crumbling a little bit. And um, I get a call from a guy that has some rental properties in Colorado. And he wants to exchange, because the board or whatever, whoever's running that group of properties, said things are getting really bad in Colorado, values are dropping, we should swap out and get some Texas property or sell this and buy Texas property. So they reached out because I had a piece of land for sale in Texas. And they said, would you consider you know, trading or trading plus cash? And I was like, sure, send me the financials. I look at all the financials. I'm like, all right, this, this will pay itself off in 10 years, just with the rentals they had. you know. So like, and then I own it you know, free and clear, kind of like this deal. So I said, send me some pictures of you know the buildings and the locations and all that so like probably five pictures in there's this picture of the lake and i'm like damn that looks really familiar the lake picture right and all these you know wooden cabins like log cabins look alike so you, you see a log cabin and you saw another one 10 years ago whether it's the same or not you don't really notice it but that picture of the lake i'm like man that that tree the way that's sitting looks real familiar and i'm like stacy grab our honeymoon pictures and she pulls the pictures out. Sure enough, the only difference with that lake picture is that stump that was right there, my leg was on. Oh <laughs> and we were staying gosh. together, and my knee was up on it like Captain Morgan, you know? And I'm like, this is the cabin. One of the cabins in this deal is the cabin we stayed in for our honeymoon. Oh, my gosh. And so I was like, you cannot tell them this because they're going to drive the price up on us, but we're going to get this. And so that's how we ended up with those cabins over there, the first cabins. That is so funny. And then bought the property, and that's where we spent the summer now. Oh, my gosh. And we kept them for a decade yeah, and rented them up. great. Yeah, I it love was, that. It's a cool spot, but that's the back end of the story. That is so it's funny. Is the cabin we stayed in after we got off of the train? We ended up buying ten years later. Oh out my of a gosh! Thing like you kind of wonder like there's somebody up there with puppet strings, right? Right. That's awesome. With a great sense of humor. Yeah. Right. Exactly. What? So what's your bucket list, babe? It's changed too. Now I want to see my grandkids. I think that's going to be cool. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Because we got to, to do all the stuff. Somebody asked me that the other day. I was like, hey, the, the wheel, the circles, you came back around. Now what do you want to do? I was like, well, you know, being a father now is great. Mm-hmm. And putting, we talked about this a little bit, you know, everything back into the kids. Because seeing it through their eyes now. We went on vacation the other day, and was I having a great time? Probably not. Because, yeah. I mean, what dad does, right, when you're on vacation, you got to keep But when I started looking at it through their eyes and remembering how much fun we had doing that, it changed for me. Yeah. One of those dad moments we were bringing about, you know, talking about. I was like, man, I have them all the time now. They're great. I loved our vacation. Hunter, what's your bucket list? Have you seen um, the Virgin Atlantic flight that will take yeah, you up to space? space? Yeah. That. <laughs> I want to do that. 
I think your generation gonna change the bucket list, man. Y'all are gonna be in space. I think. I think it's gonna be. Oh yeah, I, I would definitely say I mean, that's gonna be a, the Galactic Empire. Becoming... Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, something like that. John? I think that would sounds be familiar. We've so never heard it before. I want to go see every baseball park that there is. Oh, that's a, that's oh, a fun one. I've got a few under my belt, but I need some more. I got to go see them all. There's a bunch of guys. Yeah, said something about that the other day. Yeah, we we had that on our list. All right, cool. Okay, great Patreon question. Thank you. So today we have one of our good friends, very special guy, Cooper Collins, CEO of Fortis Biopharma. He also is a managing partner at Venture Funds. He serves on the board for all these different companies. He is a man of many trades. He is uh, definitely a one and only crazy smart man that has made all sorts of medicines and these treatments, and he's a guy that will save your life one day. So, welcome to the show, Cooper. Well, th- thanks for having me. And every time I hear my intro, I feel like you're talking about somebody else. So, like, <laughs> I, d- I definitely don't feel that way about myself. But it, you're it's a been mad a fun ride, man. Marcus calls <laughs> you, and I'm pretty sure in his phone you are mad scientist. I don't even think your name is in there. It's just mad scientist. Yeah, I could definitely see that correlation. I'm I'm always trying to find something that nobody else can figure out, and then we try to figure it out. Also, saying well, I'm made of spare parts now too. Right. I was put together by Doc Frankenstein. So. If <laughs> <laughs> if there's something going on I can't figure out, this is the guy I call. Right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about where you came from, and then I want to get into all the fun stuff that you okay. have created. So, um, you know, I was born born in New Orleans, uh, moved around a bunch. Dad was a safety and environmental engineer, so that became pretty popular in the 80s and 90s. When you say born in New Orleans, what does that mean? Like you were born down in there? Uh, where, well, are you, where are your people from? Are they from the towns or are they all from New Orleans? So my family was mostly in Algiers and Slidell. So the North Shore and Algiers, which is like the West Bank. And then um, the rest of my family was in Missouri. So Because I'm married into the Cajun family, man. They're from that cotton. I say bunky. Everyone knows that. Yeah. From oh, yeah. Area, and then, then to go in there and go deeper through there than Marksville, Cottonport. Bunky it's hard is, to go deeper than Bunky, but well, that's Bunky's where we're at. the big... Oh, no, man. I, that's the, I thought that was the big town when I rolled in there. It is the big town. It's technically like the city. Well, Marksville and I see people's faces when you throw that word out like Bunky, like, and they're like, wow, what, you, how, what were you doing over there? Yeah. Something like that, right? It's, <laughs> it almost sounds like the way we'd say, I, you know, you live in Podunk, whatever. Like, yeah. It's almost like yeah, Bunky. I guess that's, that that's because we got it's a Cajun <laughs> way of saying out in the country right yeah exactly. that makes sense i love where my yeah, family's from year. so yeah okay so speaking of cajuns my mom's an a-bear that grew up in abbeville right yes so we move around oklahoma you know texas alabama mississippi all over the place and then um alaska for a minute um so in back end up doing my last three years of high school in abbeville uh, in Louisiana, so moved back to be around family. Grandma was really sick, and that was uh, she actually uh, moved in with us. So that was interesting. Speaking of being a grandparent, you know. Um, so parents were real clear with me early on that like if you're if you're gonna go to college, you know, when you're 18, you're going to college, you're getting a job. But if you're going to college, you're kind of you're on your own, right? Go figure it out. So it was evident I was gonna have to get a scholarship. Um, as a kid, just was not that interested in academics. Like, I was like, I know if I just listen to the teacher, I'll make B's, some A's, right? I'll kind of mix them in and I'll spend a lot of time on this. But that's not my thing, you know. And I and always felt as a kid the thing that people really appreciated about me was when I performed on the field. So you kind of get into that, that deal where you're like, well, this is what people like seeing me do. Maybe there's some value here. Maybe this pays for school. So... 
I uh, committed, you know, kind of my sophomore year and was like, I'm going to go through this program. It's going to make me better and study guys like Peyton Manning who were in college and, you know, went to their first camp, got to sit down and watch film with him when the camp was so tiny, you could do that. Right. So that was fun. And, um, eventually that led to, you know, getting, getting a scholarship, got an offer from Tulane and then the, the coach got fired and then ended up, uh, going to Nichols, uh, which is right outside of new Orleans, which um, I have a grandparent that graduated from Nichols. Oh really? Yeah. What's and my uncle name? graduated. Uh, it was Scallon. Yeah. Oh, wow. My mom's dad. Yeah. Have you seen that video when Eli dresses up, goes out there and starts chunking that oh, football? Oh, it was trying so out for that. Awesome. Chad Powers. Chad Powers. It was. Are you kidding me? So off. You know what's the what's the the basketball one they did? Um, I mean, that was where he dressed up like an yeah, old yeah, guy. Yeah, uh, but I saw that the Chad Powers thing was hilarious. But it, is that the dirty grandpa? Yeah. Um, the, yeah. He's uh. He would go out there. Johnny Knoxville. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm thinking of uh, the basketball player that was so good that they dressed up like an old man and went out and played basketball oh, against these young guys and just smoked I, them. I have and then they made that. a movie about it. That one coach but, goes, man, I think I see something in this guy. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that? I think, uh, yeah, I think we need to sign him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... <laughs> He's got some arm talent. I've never met him, Eli, man. I'm looking for... I'm no Peyton, but I've never met his brother, man, but he's got a... Those boys, there's something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, um, you know, get a scholarship. I'm going to college. Totally pumped, right? Uh, get there. Went through just a myriad of coaching changes, right? We were throwing offense, which was great. I was excited about it. Th- that was one of the reasons I picked Nichols. They won the conference championship, and they were five wides and chunking it. The coach was a, a great coach who played quarterback at Tulane. Last time Tulane beat LSU, he was the quarterback. Yeah. Which is like might never happen again, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it was real cool getting to learn from that guy. Coaches leave, and you start to kind of lose the passion for the game once your coaches are gone. New coaches come in, they bring in their own players, they change the offense. You're talking about a volatile environment. Oh, mm-hmm. so yeah. Some of the guys I grew up with, there's one's a strength coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And every time, I mean, he's been at every, the the greatest university, UT Texas. I mean, he made the gambit, gone all the way. He's USC now. Mm-hmm. But when they when the when the coach goes, when the head coach goes, I mean, everyone has to go. Oh like yeah, they come in very rarely. They keep the same staff, and that's it's almost like being in the military. It's weird because as a player, you spend all your time building your reputation and the trust of the coaches you have, right? Yeah. And so it almost becomes a bad thing for you when the new coaches come in because they're like, oh well, you were their guy. And there's also but, a loyalty thing, right? Oh and, yeah, like that's bred into your DNA. And oh, then yeah. when you get into the camp where you're throwing your jerseys on and there's somebody teaching you, I mean, you're oh, not going to yeah. be able to take that away. It's got to be, I mean, one of the hardest things you can do is switch on them midway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so that happened three times to me in college. And so oh, at some gosh. point, you kind of lose the passion for that. And in my mind, it started turning to, all right, the way they've changed, and I really need to start focusing on education, which was the first time in my life I was like, how old this now? education thing. So that's probably my junior year of college, right? right? And I realized this is not going to play out the way I want. It's the wrong offense to go to the next level. Um, getting hurt all the time, running option, you know. So I started really thinking about education. Obviously, I had to stay, keep playing football because that paid the bills, right? But I really started thinking about education. And that was the first time I applied myself. And I was like, oh, this is way easier than I thought, right? Like I started studying, started making all A's. Got into grad school. I was still on my undergrad scholarship. Finished all my prerequisites. Half of my undergrad—I mean, half of my graduate work—and my undergrad scholarship. Right. 
And, but it was like that switch. Like, so I, I truly believe that anybody can do anything, but you really do have to focus and like say, this is what I'm going to yeah, do discipline. now. Like, this is it, right? Yeah, discipline. And I was focused on football because I paid the bills. That's what's going to get me my college degree and maybe it gets me to the next level, right? I was so focused. But then all of a sudden, when you shift that focus, it's amazing what you can do. Because I, like, I didn't know. I never, if you'd have told me that I could get the highest grade in graduate statistics out of everybody at the university, I would have said, no way. Yeah. You know, no way I could do it. I'm not that guy. I thought I was okay in math. Like, you know, and then all of a sudden you focus and it happens. Like, I don't think you have to be real special. You just have to be really focused. <laughs> if, right. If you can play football, if you can focus on that, then you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about Tom Brady. It was all football. Cost them a marriage, and, and that's right? a, that's a oh, real football. thing. Yeah. When you when you when you're focused on something and everything you got's into it, you, and when you even when you're not playing the game, you're thinking about it. Oh yeah. Or you're reading something about it. That's that's what focus is. Absolutely. If you want to know if you're locked onto something, if that's happening to you with something, you're focused on it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the hardest thing you can do is when someone try to just interject something into your into your life that has nothing to do with what you're focused on. Oh yeah. Yep. You you can see them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're there, but they're not. They don't. They're not interested. I mean, when you find somebody really interested in something, they'll ask questions. The excitement about it, every every little detail of it, means something to you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for you kids out there, if, when you, I didn't have that when I was young. When I when it was time to go into the SEAL teams, man, that's what I was focused. All I could think about. Right. And same way with Mojo Morgan. Mm-hmm. And when he, I remember when he got out and he started in school. He goes, man, I'm you know back in school. What what's up? But he goes, once my focus shifted back over and concentrated just on school, you just can't believe how. He said, "Easy it is, but you know what I mean." It's, it's, oh yeah, everything's difficult in some way, but if you focus yourself, you can get anything done. Oh, I mean, our our minds are so powerful, and when you focus and unleash it in one direction, like I, I mean, I don't care who you are, what kind of grades you made, how smart you think you are, if you focus a hundred percent of your effort on one thing, you are going to do great things in that area. And if you never quit, and I, right, because a lot of people focus. And All right, it just goes stay, too long just stay in there, man. Just stay in it because yeah. age comes in too. Oh, totally. And yeah. when you learn how to learn, it's yeah. it's very important for people to. When, that's when you see a great teacher, man. They can just say one thing, and if everybody gets it, that's logic. It's a great teacher. Oh yeah, yeah so people, You know, it, it just it is. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So, what was your major? Undergrad was communications with a, because I was thinking I wanted to be a sports broadcaster because I love being around sports, right? Communications and then did minor in business and then graduate decided to do the master's in business because um, I started quickly, you know, and also at this point, as I was kind of finishing up undergrad and my scholarship, went to work with the Saints and did some, you know, off-season NFL stuff and really thought I liked it, but I learned pretty quickly when you've been in a locker room with all these big sweaty guys all the time, and then you go to the NFL, it's just another group of big sweaty guys. Um, it was fun being around sports, but the issue is they don't pay you well at all, right? Unless you're one of the top guys, you're not getting paid well, and you can't support a family on most of that. You're working six to seven days a week, and um, you have other kids that are shooting for your job that weren't in those locker rooms. And they really just want to be around the big sweaty guys. So they'll take the pay cuts. They'll work extra hours. And I'm like, 
that part I just didn't really care about. I liked the game and the sports. And so that's when I really kind of started focusing on getting that master's in business. And what do I want to do? Do I want to be, do I want to go to work for some fund? Do I want to go to work for some bank? Do I want to start my own business? But that an MBA kind of aligns you where you can do whatever one of those things kind of works out for you. And for me, I just really started to focus on writing business plans and entrepreneurship. So sitting down and getting your MBA is, is a thing. It's a good, it changes. It teaches you something that you... I'd recommend that to anybody because once you get to that level, you're at a certain maturity level one, right? The professors treat you that way. Now you're there because you want to be there. Your undergrad, maybe mom really wants you to be there. Maybe you feel like you got to be there. But once you take that leap to grad school, everybody knows you want to be there and you're paying the bill in most cases, right? So it's, um, it's, a, it's, it's a different feeling at that level. It's not about, you know, let's see how many people we can get out of the class. Let's weed through the people that don't need to be here because your, your assumption from professors you're supposed to be there. So they focus on helping you. And you really want to learn or you wouldn't be there. And I mean, you, you're, you're, your brain goes to another level, I think, when you get, you know, you do graduate school, which is probably as common as college was for my parents, you know, undergrad. Right now, everybody goes to college. So graduate school is really kind of what college was. Oh, yeah, when my parents were in it. That's awesome. So, so from there, you graduated and started. What was the the big company that you started with? So, uh, started a little tech company when I was in grad school. That was fun, um, and realized I like small businesses. What does that even mean? I, you know, what I'm talking about like people like I started a tech company. Okay, what 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 does that mean? So, Which one? So we had this idea. So one of my big frustrations as a high school player was. If you're in Louisiana, you're probably only really getting recruited by Louisiana schools unless you're a rock star, unless your last name is Manning, right? And you're in Louisiana and your last name is Manning, everybody wants you. But other than that, people don't come down to Abbeville. Great or, name, the Manning. Oh, how about that? Oh, right. <laughs> they even got a cool name. It works out. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about them anymore. They're so cool. Good for you guys. Way to go. Exactly. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so, so, I mean, I, I had this frustration that I felt like I didn't get enough exposure. You know, I had, didn't play, you know, didn't play in the right offense in my senior year, but blew it out and was one of the top ranked guys in, in high school, my senior year and didn't get the exposure outside of Louisiana that I thought I should have. Right. And so, um, the idea was, remember, everything's on VHS back then. Right. And internet just started. I mean, shit, the internet. What does that mean? What's inter- a VHS? So, you know, like just the old VHS film. Like, I don't know. Right. Do kids not know what that is anymore? No, that's that's why we're trying to get you to explain it. So, so VHS. An- analog was- versus digital. I completely understand what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. But back in the day, there used to be this iPhone. But imagine a big iPhone. Yeah. It was made of plastic. It's like a double plus. iPad. <laughs> right? Or an iPad. Yeah. And you took this iPad, and then you slid it into a bigger iPad. <laughs> <laughs> that right. had a wire that was connected to an even bigger iPad. Right. And then that's how you got to... <laughs> oh, my gosh. The triple iPad. So it's... Before DVDs, there were VHS. It uh, was basically so. a big tape. Um, yeah. Like a big cassette. And right. And, yeah. Like, when you hear... I think kids don't even that. understand. Like, when I say watching film, you know, like, they, they think you're just talking about watching TV, TV right, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, no, there used to be a film. An actual film. <laughs> that looped and before that, there was you know? a, a bigger one. Exactly, exactly. So so then, you know, you had VHS, which was analog, and then the internet comes out, which is digital. 
I mean, this was when the internet made noise. We remember that. Mm-hmm. I tell my kids the internet used to make noise. You had a voice. You knew when it was firing up. Exactly. It sounded like an old car. Yeah. I used to not wonder, like, am I connected? Because you could hear it. You're like, oh, yeah, I heard it connect. There's a few tones down here when every one of us hears it. Uh-huh. You know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the wedding march, that uh-huh. freaking dial tone that goes with logging on. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, so anyway, it started, <clears throat> had this idea that take your analog film, digitize it, which is a multi-hour you know, process to digitize an analog tape. Um, for ten, like a 10-minute film would take hours and hours to digitize it and render it and put it online. So then college coaches didn't have to come to the small town in Louisiana. They could log in. And what we did is we had them put you know, their height, weight, like on, a, like on a video board so they couldn't lie and cheat about it. We had them uh, you know, p- put their grades on there. so we had They couldn't back then. Right, yeah. They can do amazing things now. Oh, now? <laughs> I mean, it's you unbelievable. Can, you just can have your own Twitter Now you can't account. even watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, so... So the, the advantage for us is, you know, I had the college kind of scouting book. So I knew who all the recruiting coordinators were in every college because I was playing college ball. And so I'd say, look, here's the deal. You pick five colleges that you want to see your film. I'll pick five colleges because you might not be as good as you think, which is the case with all of us athletes. We think we're better than we are. And so, um, so that I'll pick five, you pick five. And then, because I had the college recruiting book, I could send an email with a link to their their deal, and the coach could open the email, click on it, and watch their video and see their grades, and you know, and hopefully pay a membership to my website. Right? What was your website called? It was called athleticprospect.com. You know, so you basically, we talked about this a little before we started recording. You basically were the first huddle. Oh yeah, yeah. We were we were actually way too early. Yeah. Yeah, we were actually way too early because people just couldn't wrap their brain around that being. Someone says that the internet and everything got kicked into us, and we got oh. all these toys. Oh, yeah. We just know how powerful it was and what it could do and the capabilities of it. And then we had kids. Mm-hmm. And then they grew up. Now they're in there before we have to set the rules. I, I don't, th- you know, we were still playing with the whole thing before we set the rules and guidelines on it. And then they came in oh, yeah. and took it to a different level. Oh, totally. So did you have sales? I mean, oh, is yeah, it yeah. a successful we, thing? You know, it's funny how much how much life comes down to who you know and who you've had experiences with. But we decided to launch the company at um, at the National Coaching Convention, which happened to be in New Orleans, so we didn't have to travel. We just drive the 40 miles from campus over there. And That's a god hook up right there, man. Set up a booth, right? So I'm sitting there, and you know, everybody's walking by the booth. I'm like, oh, check this out, Athletic Prospect. Everybody's walking by the booth. Then a guy that coached at Nichols had moved over to University of Florida. And Florida was hot back then, right? Um, and so he's walking by and he's like, hey, Coop, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, coach, what's up? And so I'm like, oh, this is what I got. What do you think? And he was like, see, he said, everybody's a sucker for a free subscription. So tell them first month free and they pay after that. But take their credit cards and they're going to forget you keep building them. <laughs> He said, but they'll use the service once they're, you know, you give it to them for free for a month. And I was like, all right. So we did that. And then he signed up. And then what happens is everybody walks by and they see your sign up sheet. Florida's on there. So guess who's got to sign up? LSU. <laughs> so people started signing up. Right? Yeah. Yep. And then we ended up dishing the, you know, now you get to a point where there are more coaches than players. Hell, if I'd have known that, man, I'd have wrote a couple of teams on there already. And it's going to have been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got, you know, I can fit you in, though. <laughs> right, exactly. We got one left. One left. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so that, that ended up being lucky but unlucky because we didn't have enough players and we have more coaches. So then we ended up dishing it off to another company, and they shelved it. 
and um, they did. Uh, they just went to name, height, and weight. That they would post that on the internet. No more video it was too labor intensive, which it was. It was, you know. Um, but today, you know, it's called Twitter. You post your video, you tag the coaches at Stanford, or you send at it straight LSU, to them, right? And so they get tagged. They look at the video. They like you. They come see you. They don't. They don't. Right? Oh my god! So it's like we were well, just waiting to, to their whole family, right? Coaches, whole family. Hey, exactly. If you just happen to slide this over to the coach, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh my god! So right idea, wrong time. But I love the. I loved like starting a business, growing it, seeing it. We could we can make it work and get customers and. Uh, then I was pretty pretty quickly after that, the kind of word had spread that we had started a company, did some cool stuff, and uh, a, a group approached me that um, actually a guy, a guy I played football with, his his dad was uh, the chairman of the board, and so uh, approached me about maybe between my professors first and then them about maybe helping these guys start this company or you know they're starting, and so um, met with them. They said, hey, look, you, you know we're, we need to write business plans. We're trying to grow. You can come and intern with us while you're finishing grad school and then come to work and we'll see what happens. And I knew at that point I wanted to be a small business guy. I didn't want to be a big business guy, just a number working my way up for decades. Right. <clears throat> so I was like, yeah, let's go for it. What the heck? I'm getting out of graduate school. You don't have a lot of commitments. Just got married though, but no kids. So I was like, this, this is the time to take this shot. And if not, I'll go to work for Goldman Sachs, Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. And so, um, <clears throat> did it. And I mean, we took off right away. Like we found a little niche in the market and the company took off within three years. You know, I was the vice president of the company in another year. I was the president of the company. And then a, a year or two after that, I was the CEO and we were taking it public. Um, and all that was just really, I was one of the few guys that never quit. Right. I was one of the few guys that worked all the time. So, uh, so anyways, I was one of the few people that were kind of really, uh, putting down hours, working hard. I would never quit on a project, you know? And, um, and so he eventually became the CEO and had a chance to take it public, but there's a funny little never quit story in there. We were, things were going great, looking like we were going to go public, you know, um, kind of had its ups and downs. And then one of our drugs or our main drug got genericized. What does that mean? Uh, means a generic came out launched against us so all our sales go oh right? my gosh not so bad we were working on ways to fight through that but it was going in the wrong direction and then we lost coverage so we lost insurance coverage and um i mean shareholders started wanting to sell their shares board members wanted to get off the board what are we going to do and we're kind of on this path to go public i'm like racking my brain and could not, I mean, it was, it was depressing, right? So not sleeping, thinking about this thing, how can we fix it? We have this avenue. And then like kind of came up with this idea that maybe we could find products that have coverage that are similar to our products that don't have generics, but are not doing well in the market. And we could just buy them. Right. And then plug those right into our bags and take it off, you know, whatever. And I mean, we were like on the edge, um, and I found this product line like in the middle of the night and it was on the list. Um, it was covered, right? It was similar to our products approached their CEO. They weren't doing what we were doing. They just had this product. And I mean, I said, Hey, look, we'll give you 400,000 bucks for this product line, 200 up front, 200 after all the marks transfer, which would give me time to get some sales. I mean, within a year, we took that $400,000 product line and turned it into about $40 million in sales. Oh, my gosh. So, 
but I mean, everybody was quitting. <laughs> like, and I look, trust me, I wanted to quit, but somewhere along the way, I started to learn that what business really is, is a pain tolerance thing. Small business, right? 95% of small businesses fail in the first five years because of your pain tolerance. If you can take the pain and you can take it knocked down, the longer you can do it, the longer you can do it, the more likely you're going to succeed, right? If you can do it forever, you will succeed. So it's all about pain tolerance. And I was taking the pain, pain, pain. And then finally, that one little opportunity came along. We nailed it, took the thing public, you know, grew it to, I think, 700 million bucks in value at, at, the, at the peak. Um, and I, I kind of was a public company CEO or was the public company CEO for four years about. Wanted to do a bunch of acquisitions and continue to go big. The board kind of started voting against me. Thought I was being too aggressive. Uh, left the job, sold out, helped another company start a women's health deal. Um, <clears throat> just on the board, had a, had a, had a good CEO. And then um, you know, grew that one from, I think, $20, $20 million company at the beginning to $2 billion. Um, then I really started to feel like there's a formula here. Um, That's what I was going to ask you. So yeah. Then, now you, when you become a CEO and the CEO all, at a young age, age is rank, right? And experience is experience. And when you say pain tolerance, I mean, growing pains, you hear that with anything you're going to start. And if everybody's in there trying to get it, I mean, like, who wants it the most, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a state thing. It's just like, hey man, just don't don't quit. Just keep going. Yeah, it is pain tolerance. I mean, if you can if you can take the pain, I mean, and that's not just like the physical up all night working all the time. It's not the just the physical side. It's the mental side that everybody in your company when you're going through that thinks they're better than you at your job. Yeah. Nobody wants your job. That's what you start that's what you <laughs> yeah. start to see. Yeah. Right? After you do this a few times, you come back in and you start to rebuild something when your players come in. You recognize them immediately. Right. Like those good bosses, man, they'll be like, hey, I, I know you're good at this, but this one over here is real good too, and you two won't get along. So I'm, I'm not going to have to – you start to see your players. Right, exactly. So so I kind of I <clears throat> learned through that process what it really took, and we did the second one. We were successful. There was a formula. And then I was like, look, you know what? I don't want to spend all my time on one company anymore because um, I feel like the logic and the knowledge that I've gained – and I mean, at that time, I was a 29-year-old public company CEO, youngest one on the street by probably 30 years at that time. So I'm learning from guys that are 55, 65, 75 years old. Which is old. the best, best. Right. Yeah, they give yeah, it to you. So like, I'm getting right. all this knowledge. And they don't, they're not intimidated by me because I'm just a kid. So they're just dumping knowledge on me constantly. So I'm learning what they're doing, how they're doing it, where the opportunities are, strengths and weaknesses of every company. So that was like a great experience. So I kind of had the knowledge base of a 50 or 60 year old in my late 20s and early 30s. And, I, and so then after the second one, that's successful. I exit from, from both of them. Um, I was like, I want to apply that knowledge to multiple companies. So that's when the fun was born, right? And the fun was born really to focus on early stage biotech. So early stage drug development um, and medical devices. Early stage drug development because there are a lot of really great cures um, that people have invented, they have patented, but they cannot get anybody to invest in them early, right? And, uh, you know, if you go through the right kind of evaluation, you know, and we'll look at 200 companies and we'll pick six. So that's how rare it is to find the right one. But when you pick one of those companies, um, you know that if you can take it from this step 
kind of non-existence to the big pharma world, right? Take it from this step through this step. Somebody will buy it and take it to market. But so many, I mean, I'm talking like cures to cancer. I'm talking cures for Alzheimer's or, you know, products that can reverse Alzheimer's, products that can, you know, heal people from a stroke. Like so many of those products exist and nobody will give them a buck because it's, it's too early. It's too early. You don't need enough money. You're not big enough. Like all these excuses, the risk is too high. Um, so well, I some of those diseases you market. can live through or live oh, yeah. with. Oh yeah, exactly. You can treat it and live with it. I don't. I mean, I, I don't see a business getting rid of that model. Well, my biggest that's the, that's oh, a problem, right? Yeah, like, like there's I, a, there's money keeping us sick. So like when we sell an oncology product, which we've I mean we've sold to some big companies like Merck. You know, we had one that we sold for two point nine billion dollars to to Merck, one of our portfolio companies. But we have a development agreement that says if you don't develop it, we get to keep the money and you got to give us the drug back. Because what will happen is if you make $3 billion a year on a drug that just like chemo that gets keeps going every year because you got to take it forever, you know, if you make money on a drug like that, it doesn't make sense to cut that off. That's what I'm saying. So you might buy a drug just because it'll cut your supply off, right? So you buy that drug, it sits on the shelf until... So my genericizes your chemo or something or your, your whatever oncology treatment. And then, then you'll develop it. So we didn't want to see any of our products sit because it's common. So I would say, you know, 60% of the companies that look at buying these products will not sign a development agreement because they, to your point, they love maintenance drugs. Yeah. Well, how do we get rid of that as a country? Because that yeah. is my, I mean, in so many people hate big pharma because mm-hmm. they want maintenance medicine not cure medicine yeah and I mean, we, ha- we have to shift there has to be a shift to cures versus maintenance and i my grandmother oh it made me cry just got dementia um in the last year and it is the hardest thing to watch oh yeah and i hate these stupid maintenance things like, we have to start finding cures for this. But Big Pharma doesn't even want to because there's so much money. Oh, they're getting good at it now. Because I don't want you to watch a TV. There's a drug to help you get through the drug they put you on. <laughs> exactly. Maintain. And one of them, if it makes it so, one of them makes your eyes bleed and you can't hear nothing. And one of them makes you feel like you're passing a Volkswagen bug every time you go to the bathroom. <laughs> we got right. something for that too. Right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they just keep flying. And the names. Oh. Sometimes, like I watch now, it's like the names, like they got that. They're joking with you, man. They're y'all. I mean, if you say them out loud, sometimes it's kind of like, hey, how do you even come up with that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, there's no, there's no doubt about it. And I think, I mean, that's it's like, I mean, we all about it from see a business that. perspective. Like we all want mailbox money, right? And that's just how everybody thinks, right? And so drug companies think that way too. So, like, I actually, we were at. Um, have y'all been to Necker Island? Uh-uh. So it's Branson's Island, and we were down there, and um, you know Branson's pretty um, great, great guy, like save the world mentality, right? Um, happens to be a billionaire too, right? Uh, but he really pushed us to you know think about what we can do to help the world, and so he makes he made me stand up in front of everybody and say, what you know what would you do? And um, the number one thing I had is I think we need to have a pharma code pack. Like an ethical pack. Oh, they don't have one of those? No. Like, I mean, they, they have like, they have these ethical codes on how you sell drugs since, you know, Oxycontin was gotten all that trouble. So they have these codes that they put in, like, 
you know, make make things look okay. But because the doctors have a Hippocratic oath, they do. But the ethical pack I'm talking about is that um, if you can cure the drug, you should cure the drug. And if you buy a project, you yeah, should check. finish the project. Yeah. If it fails in clinicals, it fails in clinical. But you should be forced to take it through clinicals. You should not be allowed to sign it. To, to buy something and sit on the shelf. Insurance on? Do they not have insurance on that? I guess that's what no. Well, so, y'all are, right? Just kind of like, hey, we're going to see if we can get this thing through. Yeah, so we try to push it through. But where, where the issue comes in is the small companies that invent these great things that the big companies buy, they need or want the money so bad from this time yeah. they spent yeah, yeah, that course. they're not willing, they're not all willing to sign a development agreement. Because the money or the situation or whatever is more important than the long term. Where if we would all agree, every scientist in America, if you invent something that gets sold to a drug company, you have to have a development agreement. If they don't develop it, then you get it back. Yeah. Because if everybody did it, guess what? The pharma companies have no choice. Hey, if, if you're out there and if you invent something that helps our people, man, we'll name it after you. You won't have to pay taxes for the right. rest of your life. Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll move some... you somewhere where everyone will know where you live. Exactly. And we when they come to... in, they'll say thank you for it. Exactly. I mean, we can come up with some cool stuff for our people. I know we can. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. There, there should be that's some... That's incentive. <laughs> yeah, there should be some huge government incentive for those big pharma that mm. find actual cures. Yeah, man, if you, if you come up with one of those, whoever's running that business, man, we will reward you more than what money can give you. Hell yeah. Because right now they come up with them, they name them, and then they get rich and they get to go do the stuff. But, hey, you know what a reward is? It's when the American people identify you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when they, when they identify you as something that's beneficial to them, it's helpful, you can't believe the life that'll give you. And well, when we're I mean, proud of it. I mean, when we're actually imagine. When someone's proud of you, well, like yeah. an American is a when America is proud of you. There's no other feeling like that in the world. Right. I don't care where you come from, where you graduate from, any amount of money. There's nothing will give you that kind of feeling as when the American people look at you and be like, they give you their grace. Right. Exactly. And I mean, and think about Vivek Ramaswamy. Right. We all watched him last night in the debate. Brilliant guy. He kicked the shit out of everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, I, mean, he's, I mean, I'm sorry. That's what he did, man. That guy, he, he is super smart, right? But he basically did what I do, right? So he developed drugs. He sold them off to big companies. What you don't know about Vivek or what you don't hear is that he invented this great drug that saved a lot of lives, right? Because he sold his drugs early, and they probably never made it to the market because 90% of them don't. So think about that for a second. 90% of the most promising projects don't make it to market. It could be because pharma doesn't develop it. It could be because the FDA restrictions or clinicals, you know, clinicals didn't work out, That whatever. It could be that. But 90% of these that go from stage one to stage two or phase one to phase two don't make it to commercialization. So that guy made a ton of money. He's obviously a brilliant guy, but the market kind of pushed him in a place where it's, it's better to just make money now than it is to get well, you said earlier, right the I, drug on the market yeah. that cures Alzheimer's. Right idea, yeah. wrong, right? Which wrong we time, need, and not just Alzheimer's, but there's so, like the all the oncology stuff, there's so many things, MS, that 
there are things out there that are very promising. If they're not cure, uh, curing it, it's at least very promising to 70% of patients or studies or whatever. Right. Why aren't we pushing these instead of these stupid maintenance things that cause 15 other side effects that you have to take more yeah, pills Yeah, you shouldn't for. be able to shovel something down our people's throat if it hadn't been tested. Right. Yeah, I mean, and they're like, well, they should. I'm like, no, no, no. We got so much going on as America. There's some people we trust with this. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and if we give you that trust and y'all screw that up, man, we will, we don't like that. Right. Okay. So let's get into some of the things that you have <laughs> okay. created. One of my favorites, um, and it was very on, very early on when we first met you. And I don't even remember why we were on the phone, but we were talking about something, maybe boot campaign or there was something going on. And, Axe and Addie were probably three, four years old, and they were hacking up a lung, coughing so loud I couldn't even hear. And I'm like, I've got to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't talk on the phone. I'm sorry. And you said, I hear they have a cough. Are they on medicine? And I'm like, yes, I've got medicine. <laughs> and I had no idea that this is what you did. And you said, text me your address. I'm going to drop something off in the mailbox. An hour later, go down to the mailbox, and there is this chocolate-flavored cough syrup that I immediately bring it up to Axe and Addie, and they they hated cough syrup. I would have to hold their jaw and force it down their throat, Um, but they freaking loved this chocolate cough syrup to the point where I had to restrict how much yeah. they would take because they I was would drinking just, the mess out of it too. It, it's really Marcus good. Marcus was yeah, drinking I, it. I'm not even kidding. He loved this. It tasted very similar. I ran out of M&M's one night and I went to the med <laughs> Where's the cough medicine? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the cough, but I could have had one. You know what I mean? It tasted very similar and it had this similar consistency of chocolate cake batter if you've ever taken yes. a swipe of chocolate Perfect. cake batter I mean, yes got, it was so if you got kids i'm just way to go yeah. good <laughs> no i mean i'm not one of your salesmen bro but i'll give you props on that <laughs> one that sucker i would sell that yeah, man, to me good. that that is the biggest product that never really happened because when uh you know that was right before i left the company right so i had this plan to launch dr coco right so what's interesting about it, it wasn't just chocolate flavored in chocolate there's an ingredient called theobromin right and theobromin is a pretty powerful anti-tussive anti-cough product right so it works on the vagus nerve and, and in that thick chocolate form it really coats your throat too so it makes it more effective so you, you actually had other cough suppressants and antihistamines and stuff in that. So it was like a real, you know, your typical cough medicine, except we added the theobromin from natural cocoa, right? So we didn't use some synthetic stuff. So that's where the chocolate flavor came in. And I mean, we blew out, blew the test out of the water. I left the company. They sold it instead of launching it to another company. It was the number one cough product in Walmart that year. They used that money to develop another project, which flopped. Losers. I know. Losers. And Who then, are these people? And then they didn't have the money to push Dr. Coco forward to CVS and Walgreens. It just became a mail order product, which I think I think it's still a mail order product, but that is one of my biggest regrets. That's that I good. didn't get to launch Can you that. Buy the that way. Back? You need to buy that back. I mean, I, I gotta look you know, the patents maybe up on it, because we had a patent on Theobromin as a natural cough suppressant. Okay. I'm telling you, Marcus and I yeah. will be salesmen for <laughs> Dr. Coco. Uh, the good stuff never we, we never keep it. 
No, no, exactly. It, it worked. Yeah. That's why we got rid of it. Yeah, right. And That's what remember, happens here. Yeah. What kind of place is this? I remember <laughs> you telling America. me it was what in Walmart. Freaking America. That's what it is. And I went to Walmart just because of that and ended up buying a yep. bunch of it because, I mean, kids at that age, three, four years old, they're always picking up stuff oh, in preschool or whatever. So always having a little cough. And that cough medicine was the only thing that they would take. And they still, to this day, Addie has a cough right now. And she goes, I wish we had the chocolate medicine. And I'm like, I know they don't, they don't make it anymore. I can't find it. (laughs) So I don't want you to get spoiled. So we took it away from you. (laughs) (laughs) Another one of the things that you created that I think is so cool because I don't drink alcohol and I get so frustrated sometimes as a sober person being around a bunch of drunk people. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something I called. Did you call it Buzzkill? I it was. It yeah, buzzkill. I was shocked we were able to trademark Buzzkill. Okay. I mean, how many times have yeah. you said Buzzkill and nobody's ever trademarked that? So, yeah. yeah. So it was in a powder form when you mm-hmm. gave me some samples, and we were at the ranch for some big uh, re- seal reunion type event. I don't remember exactly what it was. And this is our favorite story. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. So I don't know if I've heard this. Oh, there was a whole bunch of people. Everybody was drinking all day long. And not true. Not all day was done. Yeah. It was only eight hours. I mean, Marcus went to sleep super early. And I was up cleaning, like cleaning the kitchen or whatever. It was probably 10 o'clock at night. And there were only two other people awake in the house, okay? Everybody's, like, gone to wherever they're staying, hotels or whatever. And this stranger, I don't know him, he came as a a guest of a guest. And he walks into my kitchen door, wasted. And he's like, hey, where's the party at? I'm like, not here. Everybody's in bed. You've got to go. I don't know. I don't know who you are. Well... He asked for a drink, and it clicked in my head. I had some of that buzzkill. Mm-hmm. So I get club soda and ice and the buzzkill and a little Mio, and I'm like, here, here's a here's a drink. And he was so wasted he couldn't tell that it wasn't alcohol. Oh. Drinks the whole thing. I'm not kidding you. 30 minutes oh, later, yeah. it was like a light switch went off in his head, and he you could tell he was so embarrassed of where he was and me and my two other friends that are in the kitchen are just standing there with folded arms looking at him like you gotta go it's time to go (laughs) and he immediately he was sober drove home from that and i've never seen him since but I was so proud of we this little buzzkill. I made this guy sober up. So yeah, it was a, a powder fun. that you can sober up at the end of the night uh-huh. and leave. Right. Leave the party. So yeah. I I actually, um, instead of whatever it is, when people actually drug your drink, I made them, I sobered their drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. so I did the reverse yeah. on reverse him. I sobered him up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was a, that was a great product. I mean, I, remember, I can still remember, I think it was, uh, when you drink alcohol, it, you create something in your body called acetaldehyde, which makes you drunk. And this was just a simple vitamin formula that could reverse the acetaldehyde. And once you do that, you're sober, right? Acid what? Acetaldehyde. I yeah. think is how That's you what it makes it. you feel yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So whatever happened with that one? So we we launched it during the Super Bowl and when it was in Houston. A horrible idea. 
Oh, yeah, let me tell you. So to, I feel like as a former person who used to drink, that yeah. so I definitely wouldn't want to do it in a Super Bowl. It, <laughs> right. So it took. I'm just saying. <laughs> so it took off, even though it was a terrible time to launch it. So it took off, and um, we, I mean, all of a sudden everybody was hearing about Buzzkill, right? So we were getting a lot of buzz, no pun intended, and. Um, we, we were advertising, we had a clinical study that we had, I think, 36 or 38 patients where you actually took their blood. So we could prove that we oh, dropped right, their yeah. blood alcohol level within 20 or 30 minutes, whatever it was, right? Um, and then you also had uh, the breathalyzer test. I think the one we were talking about in the study was the breathalyzer test. So they would take the breathalyzer 30 minutes and we showed that we dropped it like uh, 0.1, I think, in 20 or 30 minutes. I can't remember the exact number, so don't hold me to that. Well, anyways, we were advertising that, and boy, the FTC came down on us. Oh. And they wanted us to do a bigger study, and, and you know, I was like, well, it's like 30-something patients, and, uh, and so they said we need to do at least a study with 100 patients, and we were already in the launch phase. So, so they wanted you to get 100 people drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. What organization is this? <laughs> right. I want to work there. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we couldn't find anything in any of the codes that said with a vitamin that you had to... Uh, you know, do a study at all. We kind of did the study for marketing and we had 30 something patients that agreed to do it. And so we'll do the breathalyzer deal. So we had the data. It's, it's not like it's one of these things where you're getting placebo effect because we're actually got a breathalyzer. So we know they're dropping more and you know what the normal numbers are, how long it takes to drop from this. Right. So, um, anyway, so we, we, we get in the squabble with the FTC and I'm like, you know what, this is, uh, we built it. Let's just sell it and let somebody else deal with this. So we sold it off to a former president of Coca-Cola. He was relaunching it in 2020. Mm. COVID hit. He put it on ice for two years. He's just now relaunching it again in the can form. So, so you know the original cans formula? Just popping. The guy's I got mean, the original can... formula recipe, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's got, he bought Buzzkill. You know, we got some money up front. We're going to get some royalties on the back end. Um, but a lot of times, like, I'm kind of like, I really like to plant the seed and watch the oak tree start to grow, but I don't like to prune the oak tree. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like let's. I'm like, hey, let's get that thing started. I'll go. Start There's it. a difference between those two people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the people who design it and build it, and the person who maintains it. That's two different people. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It starts to get boring when you're talking about two percent, five percent, a lot. You know, it's like, I, I, uh, and that's just not. And I know guys that love that. They love like, yeah. ooh, if I do this, Even we get an extra up. half a percent. I'm like, oh, that's not interest to me. You know. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's just who I am. I like to see big things. I, I actually big things, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. Like we either do great things or it fails and we move on and try to do another great thing, right? So, but I like the early stage. So when it became this thing where we were dealing with regulators and I was like, you know what? I'm going to hand this to a guy or a girl that can do this. And, yeah. and we did. So, th so that, that ought to be relaunched. I hope soon. it does well, especially with people that do go to Super Bowl and they need to go to work the next morning and they drink a buzzkill at the I end of like the day. I feel like Super Bowl should have a day on the back end too. <laughs> Oh yeah, for the, for the fans who, have a Monday yeah, holiday. for the fans who lose, yeah, right. I mean, it's an American thing. Have had a hard day. The team, you know, if it's, it really it's funny. Is... It's funny you say that because when we were doing the Super Bowl launch, we found out the Monday after Super Bowl is the least productive day in the United States. Oh my gosh, of the whole year, I believe that because half the people don't show up and they got to hang over. Yeah, so we're like, oh, this is we can cure the the big U.S. problem of Monday after Super Bowl. You know, oh my it's gosh. another one of those times in our country. You know what everyone's doing. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's true. Okay. So what are some of the other things that you've come up with and passed on that you're really proud of? 
So I think a, a lot of the things are, um, you know, we talk about early stage stuff. It's stuff that other people invent and they can't figure out how to get it to market or get it through a study. So um, a lot of these things I don't invent, but I'd say there's three, there's three right now that are, you know, super exciting um, in our portfolio. Um, though, you know, one interesting one that's a fun one is Eon Laser, right? So we have Eon, which is a robotic body contouring device, right? So it's got... Uh, kind of user-assisted artificial intelligence, which is interesting, kind of more autonomous, right? So it can't go off and start lasering your face when we set it on your stomach, but it can develop a treatment plan. So it's a robotic arm that comes out, measures the area, your breathing rate, comes up with a treatment plan, comes back, you hit go, and it just starts sending a laser through your skin and melting your fat, right? So from an aesthetic standpoint, body contouring is growing like crazy. Um, so they, that one, they sold. Great we sold side effects of that? Um, no, I mean, there, some people get, uh, something called apoptosis, That's which what is I'm talking kind about. of, or, or they all get apoptosis, but in that process, sometimes people get like a little bruise on your fat cell, which feels like a little bump. What they've seen, and that's, it's probably, I don't know, one or 2% of the time or something. I don't really know, but that resolves in a couple of weeks. So it's just a bump where if you do cool sculpting, you can get permanent scarring called PAH. Um, which the neat thing about Eon is some doctors have been working on reversing the cool sculpting side effects with the Eon robot. How about so that? We sold our first 100 units to doctors last year. We're now testing a store concept. So our first store is in the Woodlands. Um, What's it called? Uh, Eon Smarter Body Contouring, and it's on Woodlands Parkway right by uh, so it's, Walmart. It's, that's the backside. name of the store? Yep, Eon Smarter Body Contouring is up on the... As far as medicine goes with tech... Those two things integrating together. I mean, it. it you kind of think. Well, I, I get the. We got the nanomites, the robots. They can do a surgery, get you healed up, and out of there so fast. But then, if we don't have the robots, you got to still have a human be able to do that. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah. Because we can lose the robot. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Can't lose the humans. No. So you know what's interesting, and I've I've been looking at a lot of things for the next portfolio. They got to be talking about that, right? I think. Boys, if you have a lot of dermatologists listening to this, they're not gonna be happy, but. I think the dermatology space may be the first place to be re the first specialty specialty to be replaced by AI. I think you m may have an app one day that if you got a spot on your face, you'll be able to take a picture and that AI on that app will tell you 99.9% .9 chance it is not cancer, 99.9% oh, sure. it's age spot. So oh, we already got that, don't we? Go to? Okay. I mean, the technology is there but it's usually a dermatologist who's who's seen a few thousand cases, but AI oh, has will have all billions of, yeah, of cases, and they'll know with certainty, you know what that or close to certainty what that spot That's is. That's unbelievable, so, man. That's so, what didn't you have like a um, thermal yeah, yeah, something? Because I remember Jessica doing it. And yeah, that was one of the ones. It was like a uh, um, a light where when combined with a certain lens, um, it, it could see age spots that were coming. It could see cancer that was just under the skin it was a really really cool device that is under contract to be sold right now so it looks like i mean this is can kind you of drop that some of that like... stuff off here like we i feel like <laughs> yeah. we should be a testing lab it's the same thing that, that they use for the satellite <laughs> well, you know it only takes me an hour to get it in your mailbox so you just gotta let me know what you need <laughs> just come drop everything off like here's what i need 
Our house should be just a, a testing ground. part of the testing ground. You just come here and drop it all off, whether it's a chocolate medicine or a thermal age skin deal. But you have the ability to see through my skin. What else can you see through? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this text getting you know is kind of getting a little weird. Still working on that one. Still Let me know when that comes online, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll be like I said, we can tea and eat all day long. All right. I think they got it at the airport. I remember watching. Yeah, was it Triple X? He's got those with the freaking oh yeah, <laughs> binoculars. So, do you think at some point you'll ever be able to do an X-ray through your phone? Um, oh, that'd be dangerous, man. Give somebody the ability to shoot an X-ray through Radi- somebody on their phone. Radiation. They do have many X-rays now that are really safe. That are kind of like if you're going to do a small body part, you could actually have it at home. Stick your hand in. So. Yeah. Well, you said it though. So if it can pinpoint a cancer cell that's underneath the skin, so if we have the ability to see through it. If you break something, the skin will react. They'll, yeah, they'll yeah, be able yeah, to tell yeah. the skin. Inflammation. Even if the doctors, if we can't see it, there's something that's happened. Absolutely. That AI would be able to see. Right. Yeah. So it'd be like, yeah, okay, I can, I can understand okay, that. Okay, so what's the other thing? Um, so another one that's really cool. So good good backstory. I'll try to make that quick. But uh, MIT. I didn't engineer, go there. Engineering guy. <laughs> <laughs> Showing that out to everybody. We, we, I'll tell you this: we all should know somebody that went there because it's. I do know impressive. somebody who went there. It's pretty impressive what those guys could do. So, uh, Grandma has a stroke. Years she can't recover. Right, dies. Really died because of the stroke. Even though the stroke didn't kill her, it's like you start limping, then you start falling, then your brain starts to deteriorate because your body's not moving, and it just leads to this terrible path and a very expensive path for patients, families, and insurance companies, and Medicare, and all that, right? Very, very, most expensive part of your life if you have a stroke, ever. Um, so anyways, he was super frustrated. Now, brilliant engineer, right? These are not typically the kind of guys that invent medical devices. They're guys that are in the medical field. This guy was a mechanical engineer. And um, he really went back and studied, when you have that limp from the stroke, because that bad side, right? Why can't anybody fix it? I mean, they had million-dollar treadmills that were split belt to try to speed up and slow down on certain legs. But what he learned is the way human beings learn how to walk, um, once you're injured after you've learned how to walk, you will always rely on the good side. You will always compensate once that injury happens. But when you learn how to walk as a baby, you have two bad legs. So you don't compensate. You, both those legs That's get better you together. Like you got a limp. So contrary to what most um, people that were working on stroke devices or therapy devices for this case, um, they always focused on the bad leg. He focused on the good leg. And so he said, the way human beings learn how to walk, I need to make the good leg bad. So he invented this shoe that goes on your good leg that has these oblong wheels, kind of like a, a funky roller skate, and then a platform that goes on the bad leg. And what he would do is he could, he could you know, not program it, but um, change the gears to where I can make your good leg worse than your bad leg. So then your brain is like, damn, this leg is messed up. i got to start using this leg more. And then within a week, that leg got better. Then you adjust the gears. Yeah. Isn't that what and they do something? with um, the eyes? Like if you have a bad eye, they cover the good eye? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like on kids? Or um, don't they do that? Force that yeah, yeah, they do. To, to force, force that, the yeah, eye to, to actually work? Yeah. Yeah they, yeah, they use a lot of different things. So it, it, was, uh, so it was kind of a novel thing in stroke. So in the clinical study, when they did this, patients that had gone six and seven years um, and they couldn't get better because the stroke recovery programs just were not there and they had kind of given up, 
they would go weeks or months on this shoe and they were 100% recovered. Right. Yeah, and what was crazy is they started hooking up sensors. This is the coolest part of the, that company. It's named Moterum Technologies is the name of that company. Um, so the coolest part about that company is they started putting sensors on their feet and then they tied it to an app So, and then put it on social, right? So now your grandma gets this shoe. She just had a stroke. You will get an alert that says grandma needs to do 100 steps today and she hasn't. Grandma, you didn't do your hundred steps. Get up. So oh now, my gosh, that's just what awesome. grandma wants. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So thinking you, about my mother, that'd be the last thing she'd be oh like. Oh my gosh, she kidding me? You, oh man, you think that right? But what we were surprised by in the clinical study is the grandparents were so excited that their grandkids would call and text them every day. Aww. That they would do their workout. They're like, I would only hear from her once a month. Now she calls me every day. Like they would say this in the testimonials. So not just with their stroke you know, symptoms go away, but now cognitive function improved. Yeah. They're moving more, they got people walking around, better. Yeah, talking. They feel support from their family. All these things that when you have a stroke, it's kind of like, oh New damn, elevation. I want to bring grandma, yeah. but it's so hard to pick her up and bring her. She's got that leg issue, you know? So it, that became a thing where now the company is not just a stroke company, it's a neural health company wow. and technology. And it's got sensors and it's interconnected and you can reduce the cost of the stroke to the system by maybe 90%. So now you can save everybody money, Medicare, insurance, the, the individual that pays on their own, and they get better. Oh Instead of beginning the route to die, like yeah. the beginning of that route, right? Now you're not just going to yeah, cure yeah. the symptoms, but you're going to make them over, overall better. And, that's involved so family. cool. So that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite ones because it was a guy that wasn't even in the medical field that said, you know, I'm going to solve the damn problem. There's a problem. Why can't anybody solve it? I'm going to solve it. Okay, we need him to come up with lots of other things. Yeah. I've got yeah. a list. Yeah. <laughs> it should, we should put the problems up. There should be a place you can go to like for every redneck, plumber. Every, I mean, anybody, anything. Because they're the ones that solve the problems. Oh, man, oh, that's yeah. easy, man. You just do this. It's kind of like, you got to fix mm -hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I think you'll have robotics will probably start assisting. Um, you know, we'll start assisting that kind of stuff. But aesthetics is the easy place for robotics. I mean, that's... We, we put you on this laser in 20 minutes, you lose six millimeters of fat. You know, so you think about the aid of software in robotics, it, it eliminates a surgery. It eliminates liposuction because you can, you know, go, you go in once a month and just six millimeters, six millimeters, six millimeters. Have you so. done it? Oh yeah, I did it. Yeah. It, I'll tell you this, the, the pain scores for women are like ones, you know? Uh, but guys are like five or six. Really? Because y'all are wusses. Well, yeah, we don't have the same pain sensors y'all do. Because I you, try to tell people that all the time. Don't blame me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like you think men can take some pain, women can take some freaking pain. Oh, yeah. But we did the the last month of the store. More than fifty percent of our customers were men. Really? So, yeah, I think you'll have. I think you'll end up with a thousand Eon franchises across the country if if we can continue on this pace. But but anyways, I think on the stroke side, robotics will get incorporated. But those are both super exciting. I think you see you see that one go you know go public pretty soon. So. That is so cool. Yeah, we're so proud for you to be our friend. Like we are <laughs> proud of you, yeah, and we're proud to, what to come have up you as our friend. Well, I tell you this: I, the, the stuff I do is nothing compared to what y'all do. You guys are focused on making the country better. Well. <laughs> So that, that's what we need, you know? Well, there's a reason why. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Like, hey, man, we're out there doing what we're doing. Well, there's got to be a reason behind it. Like, yeah, this is what it is. Because i got buddies, man. They can come up with some cool stuff if so, they had the opportunity to do it. I, before we close out, I have a question about going back to your, like, ethical pact or whatever. Have you thought about taking that to Congress? You know, 
I think that's something we probably should do. Um, Richard Branson had some cool ideas around, you know, that in healthcare. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to make substantial change unless it happens on the Hill. And they get behind it. I mean, it's like everything. The reason EV is so hot right now is because the government's behind it. Yeah. It might not be. It probably is not be the best solution. But the government's behind it, so it's So why it's not take it to the Hill? I mean, I think we should. I think there's some other things that we should do, too. Um, in particular, there's some vitamin stuff. Like like the third thing that I think is really interesting is the anti-aging Oh, yeah. Can stuff. we talk about that really quick? Yeah. I know we've, we've gone... So that's something else. It. I think there's a lot of heat coming from Capitol Hill. Everyone's or, or listening from, when you say those words. <laughs> anti-aging, yeah. So I'll, let me walk you through that path. And hopefully I can edit out a bunch of the crap I say. I don't go too long on this, but... I mean, when you think about aging, I mean, let's agree that human beings evolve, right? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm saying even, I'm not saying necessarily evolve, evolve from an ape and definitely not eliminating God from the, the, the idea here. But I think human beings evolve. We all agree that maybe one day we're not going to have pinky toes because we wear shoes, right? And Bigger, stronger, faster. And we, we, we know Jesus is wearing sandals, right? And we still have pinky toes. So the 2,000 years since then, you know, we, uh, we have not evolved at all. Right. So what has happened mentally is and, and we're the human animal. Right. The number one job for anything that, you know, any human being, animal, whatever, is to reproduce. Right. We're supposed to reproduce. Right. So it's the biggest urge in our brain. And our brain knows that over millions of years. It said we got to reproduce. So the, the colony or the, the, the tribe can go on, whatever. Right. So um, so your brain is wired to think that it should repair everything to your peak reproductive year, right? So for men, your peak reproductive year is like 22. Like that's when you're at your max, you know, from a sexual reproduction standpoint. Women, it's 32, right? So what happens in those years, your brain, your sirtuin pathway is saying repair, repair, repair. That's why you feel so much better, you know, in a week when you get hurt as a 20-year-old versus a 40-year-old. Because now you're not in repair mode. Your brain is in maintenance mode. So it's spitting out chemicals to maintain and let you live as long as you can because you you peaked. Your, your reproductive years have peaked. And our brains still think we should die at 35 or 40, right? Because in the last 100 years, we've gone from this, this average life expectancy of 35 or 40 to 80 because healthcare has advanced way faster than we can evolve. But we still have a primitive brain, right? So... The magic behind creating something anti-aging is to trick your brain into thinking that you're still, you, you have not hit that peak reproductive year. So kind of turn on their sirtuin pathways, right? Turn them back on. So now you're in repair mode. So, so when you think about, um, when you think about aging at that point, your peak is 22, 23. Your peak is 32, 33. Everybody talks about why women live 10 years longer than men. All of this stuff is bullshit. The reality is your brain is in repair mode for 10 years longer because you reproduce slower than us, right? That's why women live longer. So if you can now flip that sirtuin pathway, right, um, then your body will stay in repair mode longer, maybe for 200 years, right? That's the theory right now. So I've worked with some of the best scientists in the world on this. A uh, guy in particular, uh, Dr. Heisinga, Joel Heisinga, who invented a formula um, that was built off of the mouse study in the 90s that Harvard did. I don't know if y'all remember it. I, I was Time Magazine guy. So 
Time Magazine, Cover Magazine, the, the longest living mice ever, reverse the clock, blah, 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 90s. They could not fi- figure out how to do that in humans. There was this ingredient called nicotinamide mononucleotide that they gave these mice, and that worked to keep them from aging, right? It doesn't like really anti-age, it doesn't reverse the clock necessarily, but it freezes you, and your brain starts spitting out chemicals as if you were a 20-year-old again. Because we have things on the planet that live 200 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, living 200 years, I'm telling you, it's right around the corner. Like, your kids should live to 125 easily. It says that in the Bible. We're supposed to live to 120. Yeah. So, so I, totally, I totally believe that's going to, you know, that's what's going to happen, right? Our kids live to 120. We'll be pushing 100, you know, I really want to live to 102. It's my number. Well. It's my number. We, yeah, you got, so you got to hear the rest of this story. So Joe, <laughs> Joe Heisinga figures out, PhD guy, figures out. The, the reason this was working in mice and not men is because we just metabolize things different. So he figured out the formula to help you metabolize and oxidize this nicotinamide mononucleotide, um, which to the point we just earlier started on is the FDA just pulled it off the market. It's a vitamin. So you can't get it anymore, right? Like you, What's it made out of? So um, it's actually a tough ingredient to make, but the, the main ingredient is called, if you, if you do a quick search, it's NMN. For aging, oh, yeah. which is nicotinamide mononucleotide, actually have it creates that. NAD plus in your body. So if you take NAD plus, it makes you feel better, but you don't really get the benefit of you know this formula that Joel invented. And his brother is Rob Heisinga, who's been working. I can't tell you any names, uh, but um, he was um, he was the doctor that had been a Biggest Loser. The show that was on the show, Doctor Rob Heisinga. He's a celebrity doctor. He was an NFL doctor. He was the one that really kind of launched the. Did you see any given Sunday? The younger doctor that goes after the older yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah. That's based off of his life. So he went after the NFL. He's I'll barred. Who played that part? Yeah, was it? He's like barred from all NFL stadiums <laughs> because Why? he was so aggressive about brain injuries and all this oh, stuff. Wow. But brilliant doctor. So he has been doing a study with all these celebrities. You see, and you're like how does that guy or that girl still look like that? And she or he is 60 or 70 mm-hmm. or 80 Crawford. and doing more like all these people. Right. So he is the LA doc, right? So he's been using his brother's cocktail for years and studying it. So he's doing it under the, the premise of like a physician study IND. Um, and he's been generating data and he's about to launch a white paper on it. And that white paper will show you that when you're taking this cocktail, um, when you're taking this cocktail twice a day, every 12 hours, cause it has to be cycled on. That's just how our brains work. Right. And it's going in an empty stomach that you could be in your forties and it would reverse your biological age into your twenties. You might not look like you went back in your twenties cause wrinkles or scars. They're there. Right. But your collagen will stop depleting. Your heart will be that of a 20 year old. Your kidney will be that of a 25 year old. So, so he's going to launch that white paper soon. Um, but all the results I've seen are amazing. But back to the Capitol Hill issue, that FDA has pushed against that that ingredient and now said you can't buy it anymore. That's crazy. Yeah. So and it's a vitamin. I mean, there's Can no it known be side sold effects without it being FDA approved, like um, an herbal. It so it that's how it was being sold, mm-hmm. and the FDA just pretty much came back and said no. And I think that's pressure from you know big drug companies that are developing other cocktails because what it's really good at. Think about it. If you go back into your 20s, what really changes in your body? The aches and the pains. Mm -hmm. The aches and the pains are driven off of inflammation, right? Yeah, inflammation is such a huge thing. So what do you think? Where do you think Big Pharma makes a ton of money? Yeah. Inflammation, 
It's back pain, it's neck pain, it's shoulder pain. But what causes pain. the inflammation? Your body is in maintenance mode instead of repair mode. So once, you, once your brain switches back and goes into repair mode, you have inflammation for a week instead of six months. So anyway, so that, that product in particular, and speaking of your grandma, that, uh, Rob and Joel have done some cool studies on neurological disorders, dementia, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. Um, this product could be really helpful for these, these people. Like my grandma died of Alzheimer's. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the saddest things you'll ever see in your life. Yeah. Right. I mean, she, she showed up at my neighbor's house, like holding a possum. Mm. This is when we realized it was really bad. Holding a possum saying, oh, I found your cat. Oh no. It got that bad. Right. And so, um, I don't know how she got a hold of that possum. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to wonder. You don't know how rabid, like, how how rabid is a possum, possum to let you pick it up. I mean, up. what are we talking about here, right? Yeah. There's a better story here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. Good thing we didn't have doorbell ring cameras back then because we would have oh probably seen gosh. her chasing down a baby possum in the yard. But... Uh, but yeah, so like it gets that bad, and I think that's the saddest way for all of us to go. It is like terrible. give me give me the big one, give me the big heart attack. Let me go down, and you know, let me die in my buddy seat of mine. because I don't want to. I don't want that to happen to me or anybody else I know. Dude, David, when Thornberry died the other day, died on the track. Yeah, it's kind of how you want to go. I mean, right. training, doing something that you love with your with your wife, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah, the slow death that you forget that everyone that you know, forget how to do daily functions, like that's terrible. Yeah. And my grandma remembers everybody. She was a teacher. She actually taught in Thibodeau in Homa and uh, where Nichols is. Uh-huh. So she still to this day, she's 86 has pictures of her favorite students in her living room. I'm talking about from the 60s, 70s, 80s. She still has their picture, like things that they drew her. And with her early onset dementia, she started this in like April of last year. She, I can ask her who drew that. And she remembers who drew that picture. She can tell you about the kid's family. She knows everything about them. awesome. But... She just repeated the same damn thing 15 times the or the short, same yeah. question. It's, it's short-term this short-term first. memory that she just cannot hold on to. And it drives people crazy to where they don't want to talk to her. Yeah. And that makes me so incredibly sad because oh, wow. she's such a loving person. And so for anyone to distance themselves because of her, like because of that annoyance of like being a broken record, yeah. it, it just kills me because... She's awesome. So I just wish there was something that could take that away. It's like she needs a car wash for the brain or something. Like there's something stuck that's got this loop going on. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, since we're talking about big pharma, I'll say something, you know, really positive that um, they've they have spent a trillion dollars trying to solve Alzheimer's and failed. Like it's the worst category. Do you think that though? Or do you think that they're shelving things that are curing? I mean, I know that they have failed, but it has become such like a golden goose, right? That if you can figure out Alzheimer's, so many people are getting old that they're, they're, they are taking it really serious. Eli Lilly, who also has the new weight loss drug that's just killing it, is really close on Alzheimer's drug. And I think, I think they'll get that right. Now, for you and me, for us, we we need, you know, like the we need the vitamin cocktail that prevents us from ever getting it, mm-hmm. right? We need that oh, anti-aging cocktail. 
Yeah, so can't be in here forever. You should. So I'll give you his website. Now remember, this guy's a brilliant scientist, right? So the website does not look like anything Hunter or any of you guys can make. It's not. It's not fancy. It's not a marketing site. It's a lot of science stuff and a lot of boring videos that make a lot of sense. Um, but it's Egaceuticals uh, or Egaceutical.com, but age backwards. E G A Suticals. But um, an anagram. Yeah, yeah. His, his name. Um, See what he did there. Uh-huh. But you can go read. You can go uh, read all about it and keep an eye on it because I think once they really start to commercialize after his brother's white paper comes out. And you're talking about big brain people, right? Like mm-hmm. Rob was, you know, Harvard MD, all that stuff. The dad, um, their dad was like the lead on the Manhattan Project. So they're the kind of big brains that the government recruits, right? So this is not some kind of scammy, swarmy guy that's making vitamins in his garage. Like it's all about research with them and studies. So... I think they figured it out. And that stuff we saw in the 90s about them reversing the age of mice and mice being able to live forever, I think they figured out how to do it for us, right? Now, probably bad news for the government, right? Because if we get Medicare at 65 and we live to 225... Yeah, we could think about rethinking some things. Now, on the other side, I don't even want to hear you. We talked about this earlier when people were living so long. Can you imagine being seven hundred years old and then someone being born and trying to tell you to do something? Oh like, yeah, man, I don't even want to hear from you till you're four hundred. <laughs> right, exactly. Miss <laughs> Shammy, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's tough. Yeah, two hundred years. You, there's a lot goes into that. Oh man, but but think about what we could do with two hundred years of experience if we're still healthy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would not be everybody has. Well, I think pain is a, it's a procedure for all of our problems. Oh, yeah. Most everything that everyone's arguing, anytime you get in a fight, it's, it's pain. Pain, oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. Okay. Well, much. we know a congressman. Yes, we <laughs> <And> do. So, <laughs> you do too. I really feel like this um, code of conduct, if you will, for being able to develop, almost forcing a development of pharmaceuticals that is a cure not just a maintenance that causes a million other side effects is crucial to our the health of our country oh absolutely yeah i mean i think that's something we should definitely talk I mean, you about know how many people make decisions on the fact when when pain's involved or when you're dying oh i'm telling you and, and loved ones especially mm-hmm. i mean m- morality kind of goes out the door right when you're trying to save somebody yeah that's true yeah, I mean, that, and, and like, I think anytime you're dealing with pain, too, like, you know, that's the reason so many people have died from drug addiction. Is it? They started with pain. Pain, yeah. It wasn't like they went out there as drug seekers. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden. That's why they get it so bad, because they would have never done that before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, you can see that that's, a, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, thank you for coming oh, on no and sharing all this. Yeah. We could talk to you forever and pick your brain about a million things, but. We wanted to share you with all of our listeners that just how cool you are and how cool the things are that you're coming up with. And just a lot of people don't understand yeah. the There are things the out there that are that. designed to help us. And there, there are people that are working to solve the problems. Yeah. They are there, everybody. Just, you just, they're hard to see them right now. Yeah. I, I would say for you know, people that you know, want to help, look at the small businesses. Mm-hmm. Look at the small guys. Because you know, the big funds and all the guys, the private equity groups... They have to invest giant sums of money, so they're not looking at the small guys. But how do you find yeah. those guys? You know, if you go out there and put yourself out and say, hey, we're looking to put money into oncology, you know, which we have a bunch of oncology projects in the fund, too. We just didn't talk about those. But if you say, I'm looking to put money in oncology, send me your best ideas. I mean, like I said, we got 200 and pick six, you know, mm-hmm. so they'll come to you. But people just don't put that out there. 
everybody's like, oh, you oh, know, of course well, not. JP Morgan says stay away from the small private businesses, which is probably good investment advice. But if you really want to see things change in the world, people have to be willing to take a chance on the small companies, which is the basis of our fun, you know? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we so make what, a lot of money. Do, sometimes we lose it all. What like if a listener kind of wants to donate to your fund? Can they do that? Um, yeah, I mean, we can. Like I would say, we, ha- we have a fund, which is Magnusai Ventures, based in Houston. We focus on everything I've told you we focus on. Some of it is, you know, epic drug cures. Some of it is good aesthetic projects that can just make people money, right? They're lower risk. They make people money. Um, so, you know, Magnusai Ventures opens a fund from time to time. Uh, we got a handful of great investors in Houston. But if they really want to invest in some of this stuff, I can point them to direct into it where they don't have to go through our fund. I can say, hey, if you want to be an oncology or you have a passion for Alzheimer's or you have a passion for stroke, let me know. And I can, I can find some of the really cool projects that we think have promise or that we've invested in already. And they can direct invest. They can donate money. They may just want to help with their brain. So how can people find you? Um, well, I mean, I guess if you want to email the fund, my, uh, my email, the fund is C Collins at Magna Sci S C I ventures.com. Freaking smart guy. Magna Sci ventures. The mad scientist. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for coming. Well, it's so fun. Now I appreciate you coming down and thank you guys for listening in. And also, if you do have any guest recommendations, please go throw it in the comment section. We would love to hear who you've got. So we will see you next week. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. 
That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 